Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez. And today we have a very special guest, Michelle Lee from Michelle Lee Coaching. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Raya. Thanks for having me on. This is so exciting. Well, we are, I'm really excited because we're going to talk about empowering women and really allowing them to own their power and presence at the table. And what we mean by the table is really the imaginary table at the workplace. And so tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started and how you came to be an expert in this field. Thank you, Raya. Well, I'm executive women's coach and author. I wrote the book, Women from Profit to Power, How to Claim Your Worth. And I've created many weekend workshops and I'm also a speaker. And, you know, I gradually came into this work through my experience of postpartum depression and intuitively knowing that my experience at in the labor and delivery room, as well as my experience postpartum should be way different than it was. And I found hypnobirthing and started teaching women how to have painless, peaceful, calm childbirths. And in doing that, I actually got to witness women having that experience. And I learned the history of women experiencing pain in childbirth and how we have come to be taught pain in childbirth. And I thought, what else have we been taught about being women that is not serving us, that is actually causing us pain? And so my work evolved into helping women fall in love with themselves, claim their worthiness, and now claiming that worthiness and value in both our personal and professional lives because how we show up in our personal lives is exactly how we show up in our professional lives. That is so true. That is so true. I love on your website, you have a analogy that you know work is often the man's domain. And women, when we show up to work in the man's domain, It's often like showing up to a football game, being the visiting team. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, yes. Whether you're a sports fan or not, we know know the power of being the home team. It's called the home team advantage. And that's typically what men have in the workplace because the workplace has traditionally been their domain. So there's an energy in which, and it's a very unconscious riot, but it's very powerful. And women and men both emit the energy and receive the energy and unconsciously react to the energy that as women, we go into the workplace as though it's not our domain, as though we are the visiting team. And that puts us in reactionary mode. So we're looking, we're watching everyone and deciding how to be and how to react. It feels viscerally like we don't belong there and that we're actually just lucky to be there. So we don't want to ask for too much. We don't want to be seen too much. We don't want to rock the boat because we're looking to be accepted and liked more than we're looking to lead. Make sense? It definitely does. And I think even I have experienced that, especially as a younger 
person in corporate. Um, I think because you have the compounding insecurity of being a young woman, kind of finding your way in the world, then you have this experience of being in a situation where you're not sure exactly how much you're supposed to stick up for yourself because you don't feel like you have the right to. How do you see when women don't speak up for themselves, when they don't um, claim their worth within the workplace, how do you see that really showing up for women? And then how do you see that compounding or complicating over time if they continually do this? Well, what happens is you become invisible. You do the work and you're not seen for it because as women, we've been socialized to not rock the boat, to be seen and not heard. And so we don't speak up for ourselves. And so you may as well not be there. It's a lot like the household chores, right? We notice it when it's not done, but not when it is done. And because there's a level of expectation, you know, in the world, as well as in the workplace, like you mentioned, there's age bias, there's gender bias, there's race bias. And if you're a woman of color, you know, and like you spoke, a younger woman, that those just play a bigger part. So not speaking up leads you to being more invisible. And as women, we are socialized to do more. So people notice, don't say anything, just do it. And it will be noticed. Couldn't be further from the truth because our superiors within the workplace are also very busy and overloaded and they simply don't notice. It is our responsibility to bring attention to what we're doing and what we're accomplishing. And that again goes against the socialization of don't toot your own horn, don't be conceited. And there is a definite way, you know, because of the gender bias, we don't want to go into the workplace and be like men. You don't want to just show up and go, well, I'm going to be as aggressive as the men and I'm going to, it's just not going to work. What works for men doesn't work for women. So there's, it's really enhancing on when you speak up for yourself, it's, creating win-wins for everyone, seeing everyone as your teammate. And that is the power that women have is that ability to see how every decision affects every player. And when we really hone in on the power that we have, the, the way we think and lead with those characteristics, then you do get to stand up for yourself. You do get to be seen. You do get to be heard and valued and acknowledged and promoted and get the pay raises while you are being authentic. There is a book that I, um, it's actually on Audible that I read in quotation marks that supports this called Work It Out by Mel Robbins. And one of the things that she talks about are these coping mechanisms that we do to move past this feeling of uncomfortability in the workplace because we are making ourselves small. One of the um, sessions that really resonated with me was a young woman who overworked to compensate. And so she was trying to prove her worthiness and 
trying to um, compete, so to speak, get her place at the table by overworking or becoming a workaholic. And have you seen that in your experience with your clients? And if so, what are some of the repercussions that they're experiencing? And then what are some of the um, after effects of working with you that they experience after they've been able to alleviate the, um, it's really almost a compulsion to be a workaholic to try to prove yourself in the workplace. Right. Yes, I do see this a lot. And the overworking does come from a lack of self-worth and trying to prove our worth. And studies show that part of the gender bias is that in the workplace, men are hired for their potential. Women are only hired if they can prove their success. So it's run so deep in our culture, in our society, in our unconscious minds that of course we get caught up in trying to prove ourselves. Our culture is built on that. And so the first thing I help my clients with is first understanding why they're caught up on this hamster wheel of doing more, doing more, doing more to prove themselves is it's not your fault. It's how we've been conditioned and socialized. Most people are completely unconscious of that. What happens, of course, is burnout, anger, lack of connection in their own personal life. Their relationships deteriorate because they're constantly seeking validation for everything they do. And there's still, no matter how much we do, the hole is not being filled because we're trying to fill it with the wrong thing. And what needs to be filled is our sense of value, our sense of, you know, this is a tough word to say. There is a sense of entitlement that women get to have. And it's that sense of, yes, I do belong here. Uh, what I bring to the table is valuable as who I am. It's not just about everything I do. It's my perspective. It's my uniqueness. It's the way I show up. It's how I connect. Whatever that is, it's a true embodiment of truly knowing that I am valuable. And that's what my clients get when they work with me. Suddenly, they recognize Everything they've done in the past, that's one of the biggest things that women don't do is they don't celebrate their wins. We move on. We go, oh yeah, I got that done. Not that big of a deal. But we don't stop and really look at what we just achieved. And just becoming intimate with what you have already achieved. And not just necessarily achieved, but also survived how far we've come in our lives, our experiences from childhood, early adulthood, every, you know, the children we've raised, everything that we've done, which has increased our value no matter what role we take. It's that true embodiment. We can think in our head, well, I'm valuable. I should be paid for this. And still in our heart, feel like, an imposter. And you can really be free of the imposter syndrome. And when you are free of that and you 
fully recognize what you're bringing to the table, that's when you access your innate power and presence. And that's when you sit down at the table and everybody looks to you. They want your input. They want your perspective because they literally feel the energetics of your confidence. Do you think that women in general have a, not a problem, but difficulty with ambition? And also, do you think that other women can sometimes tear down women who are ambitious? Oh, yes, for sure. Being ambitious and driven is not considered feminine. It's not considered a feminine trait. And ambitious driven women have been shamed by both men and women and often by their own mothers. You know, there's, we are, again, it goes way back in history of our survival literally depended on having a husband. And there was competition. I I mean, our literal survival was having a husband. If you didn't have a husband, you were fair game. It was okay to murder you, rape you, use you as a slave. If you had a husband, then you had protection. So our lives literally depended on finding that husband. And there was always this level of competition between women because our survival depended on it. So this conditioning runs very deeply in our unconscious minds. And so we tend to, as women, and it's shifting, it's definitely shifting for sure. But there's still, for the less conscious women, we can still experience a lot of competition and we can still experience a lot of criticism from other women. And being driven and and ambitious tends to be um, judged and criticized. But honestly, Raya, I will share with you that in my 20s, I was an at-home mom. I homeschooled my kids. My life was about my kids. And I was so happy to be able to have that opportunity. And I was judged as being a stupid, weak woman who depended on my husband. And I was shocked when I, a woman told me that. And then years later, you know, when I got more into my business and oh, I divorced and was the breadwinner for myself and my three children, then I was shamed and guilted for being the breadwinner and for having drive and ambitious ambition. So I will say either way, we get criticized. And that's also what keeps us quiet at the table, whether it's our kitchen table or the boardroom table. What are some examples of how a woman can start in a small way, sharing her voice and becoming more confident in the workplace and at home with other people who may be criticizing her. Absolutely. Yes. So the biggest aspect to really take into consideration is your relationship with yourself and acknowledging that the way you're showing up now is what used to work for you. It it is a coping mechanism for your life. And 
loving and accepting yourself for that. Not beating yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. It's truly becoming your greatest fan. You need to become your greatest fan. You need to become your best friend, your greatest ally, and your greatest support. Not that you can't get support around you, but you only receive the amount of support that you're willing to give yourself. So when you do that, when you take those steps first, that's when you start shifting your internal landscape. And your internal landscape must shift because people receive you and experience you very much the way you receive yourself and experience yourself. So if you're constantly criticizing yourself, if you're constantly berating yourself and beating yourself up, then that is essentially what you're going to receive from other people. So when you start making those steps, then you naturally begin to feel more comfortable in having those conversations. With that being said, being of value and feeling worthy within yourself does not mean that you're never going to have an uncomfortable conversation. Uncomfortable conversations are required in your life. And when you value yourself enough to have them, then you've really hit a powerful milestone. So not saying my point in sharing that with you is that when you own your value doesn't mean you're never going to be afraid. You're never going to be nervous. You're never going to be uncomfortable, but it's your willingness to be uncomfortable. So that's the first small step. And then the second small step is, and this comes from, I love that you mentioned Mel Robbins book. This comes from Mel Robbins is to stop doing the invisible work invisibly, you know, in, corporate culture, much of the note-taking, the planning parties and picking up the cake naturally falls on women. That gender bias does come up. So instead of just taking on the task quietly, silently, and fuming about it, if, it's, if you don't have time to do it, say, I have too many projects, ask so-and-so to do it. So those are pieces in really setting boundaries, setting boundaries, speaking up at every meeting and allowing yourself to be heard, even if in the beginning, the small step is, is giving positive feedback to other people. Because ultimately you want your coworkers to see you and your teammates to see you as a team player and as an ally. And as you shift your perspective and see everyone who is working around you as an ally, they begin to see you that way as well. Glad you mentioned that because I had actually forgotten that part of the book where she said, stop taking notes. And she said that you should lean forward in your chair and make eye contact with the speaker. And to interject when it made sense, just for the sole purpose of having your voice literally be heard because so many women will shrink and take notes and not speak up. And so then that's why, you know, aside from the gender bias, but they're literally, you know, perpetuating it by not being seen. And so she said, put your notepad away and lean forward 
listen, really listen to what's being said, and then participate in the conversation because people don't hear your voice unless you use your voice. And I thought that was such an important, you know, maybe something that we don't think about. I'm a note taker myself. And it's funny because I've been in healing sessions where I'm like writing down notes, you know, and I have a friend who sees the same healer and she's like, oh, I just listened to the whole thing. And I'm like, oh no, I want every word. I want to like, I want to absorb it. But I think we can get lost in that note taking and wanting to absorb it for later and forget that we are in the moment. You know, we are in the moment and in this situation in particular, people literally need to hear our voice, whether that be, you know, that's a great point, John. I think that we forget, you know, da, 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 or to expand on that, you know, my thoughts are blah, 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 you know, and I think that, you know, doing these small, tiny little steps where our voice is literally heard can be uh, so important. And so thank you for bringing that point up. When it comes to making the great leap and going from maybe the tiny mouse at the workplace to really shattering through financial glass ceilings and embracing self-worth, what are the steps that you see women taking and even women in your practice taking to be able to really catapult themselves into the next steps? embracing their ambition, whatever that might be. Maybe that's in a whole nother career. Maybe that's in the workplace that they're in. Maybe that's venturing out into being an entrepreneur. What are the next steps for somebody to be able to do that? Right. Yes. So the internal work, consistent internal work is primary. And that's something that doesn't just happen one time it happens throughout your career. Because I like to say new level, new devil. No matter what level you're at, as you grow into the next level, there's go- it's going to raise your sense of worthiness. If you find yourself you know, in the lower levels of corporate, that's where you feel you belong. And to make that jump up, you must feel you belong at that level. And if you find yourself wanting to open, start your own company, you must be able to embody your worthiness at that level. And it keeps expanding and expanding and moving up. So the internal work is always required because who we have become is a culmination of our experiences from our ages, much from birth to eight years old. And those experiences that we had in those years, we have repeated in much of our teenage years, our young adult years, that have validated the beliefs that we formed in those early years. So staying on top of those beliefs, because you're never going to just release those beliefs. They're going to come back and show up every time you move to expand to a higher level greater responsibility, a greater income. So that is consistent work. The most successful people in the world have support. They have behind the scenes support to help them work through their traumas from childhood, work through their limiting beliefs, because those are triggered all of the time. I see women all of the time go into the workplace and they actually recreate their 
family of origin inside the workplace. So they'll find their overbearing father, they're working for their overbearing father, all the personality traits are there. And often the same dynamics are recreated in the workplace that then we get stuck in our coping mechanisms and, and just surviving rather than thriving. So having someone on your team, your unseen support, and women tend to have a harder time with this because we have a belief that I shouldn't need help. I should be able to do this on my own. I should have it together. We look at other women, they have it all together. We compare our insides with their outsides and think that we're coming up short. So that's the first thing is to have your own support. Don't imagine that you're seeing everything, that you should be able to handle it. So having that first step so that because an outside set of eyes can see where you're dropping into your old patterns again where the old stories are keeping you hidden again. And so it's having that support is the number one piece of advice that I could give. I think that I've experienced that definitely with mentors and coaches. And then in in addition to that, I think finding uh, peer support as well. You know, finding people, especially women, who are in similar situations who can understand that for me, Surprisingly, I found that on Facebook in some Facebook groups. And there's a bit of anonymity, I think, to that. And so that helps, even though I find ways to, um, you know, I'm a connector and I love to um, network and really understand and support other women in business specifically because I'm an entrepreneur. But there is a sense of camaraderie and connection knowing that there are other women out there who are going through the same thing and being able to connect with them and and be vulnerable in saying like, today, I don't feel so good. You know, like today, I don't feel like I can run a company or today, I don't feel worthy of having employees or being a leader or, you know, whatever it may be, even though I know that that's not true. Someone out there, please tell me that they're experiencing the same thing. And so I think that we as women have to rally around each other. And not only that, but tell each other that it's okay to seek support elsewhere, whether that be a mentor or a coach or a counselor or however that might show up for you, I think it's important that we normalize support in as much as possible, you know, like I said, peer support, but also normalize seeking support elsewhere. And so I think you're right on the nose with that. What is it like to work with you, Michelle? What can women experience when they're working with you? My clients feel a sense of safety. I hold them in a space of unconditional love and support. They can expect to move through what I call the four core wounds, which are shame, guilt, fear of abandonment, and fear of rejection. Those wounds, no matter how we experience them, and every human being on this planet experienced them from the ages from zero to eight in some way, shape, or form. I work with women primarily because I understand how we experience them. One in four women are 
sexually abused before they're 18 years old. That affects how we show up in the world. That affects how we show up at the workplace. That affects whether we're we allow ourselves to receive the acknowledgement, to receive the promotion, to receive how much we are paid. And so working with me moves you through really recognizing how those wounds are affecting you and releasing the emotional triggers around each and every one of them so that you can begin to truly step up in your innate power, your innate presence as a desired, unique being in the workplace and in your family because they are connected. So working with me, you begin to excavate the woman you were born to be because you get to access that. That never went away. You may have lost connection with your true self, but she still lives. And that's what my clients can expect to experience is really rebirthing yourself into who you were born to be. I love that word excavate because the visual that comes to me is this gentle, you know, like an anthropologist or maybe, is it an anthropologist? Anyways, the people who do the excavation, this gentle like brushing away of the, you know, external dirt that covers what's really underneath. It's a gentle process because it's fragile what's underneath and it's there and it's real and it's been there for a long time. You know, it doesn't have to be fragile. There's ways to build it up and to there's ways to preserve what was there the whole time, but the actual process of uncovering it, if you go at too aggressive of a pace, if you just kind of dig in there and you know, you're not careful in the way that you do it, it can be damaging to the real person that's underneath. And so that's the visual that came to mind is not that it can't be a fast process, but that it is a tender process in the way that we go about it. And and also the visual that we never went away, you know, that the essence of who we are never went away, that it was just that we were covered by these other things that happened to us or these other things that we believed about ourselves that didn't allow us to embrace our worth and didn't allow us to raise our voice. And so thank you for that beautiful visual to kind of wrap this time together of knowing that, you know, we are this, we can, we can be, and we are very powerful women. Sometimes what it is, is that we're just not tapping into, we're not allowing ourselves to uncover this power that's underneath and that there is help and there are people and there are court systems in place where we can allow ourselves to emerge from that and to bring forth the power that we have within ourselves. So I just want to thank you for that visual. My pleasure. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. Michelle, where can people find you most? If they like, whether that's social media on your website, where are you hanging out these days? Definitely on LinkedIn. Michelle Lee, C-H, Michelle Lee Coaching. Michelle Lee Coaching on LinkedIn. And on Facebook, 
Michelle Lee coaching on Facebook as well. That's where I am most easily found. And you can also find my website at michelleleecoaching.com. Awesome. And I know you provided us with some freebies, which we will link in the show notes along with all of your contact information. Audience, I encourage you to reach out to Michelle. I've had the pleasure of having just one session with her and it's been very powerful. And, you know, I think it's an important journey that we go along unleashing the power that we have as women, because we are special. We really are. We bring something really unique in a different perspective. And I thought it was an important episode to to bring to the table. There you go. (laughs) Um, So Michelle, thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. We thank you audience for being on this journey with us and we look forward to seeing you next time.